millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to Meet Cute, the podcast where I force people to give me all the sordid details of their romantic histories. I'm Rosemary McCabe and my debut book, This Is Not About You, is a memoir told via a series of love stories. Writing it made me wonder, how have other people managed to navigate the landscape of love and sex and dating? This week's guest is journalist and author Sophie White, whose latest book, My Hot Friend, centres around two besties who become podcast celebrities until they have a major falling out. And when I say it is juicy... Sophie joined me for a really fun chat about dating, finding your person too young, the concept of the relationship rumspringa, and why she thinks bisexuals should get a special hall pass. Enjoy! Sophie, thank you so much for joining me on Meet Cute, a podcast you haven't even heard. So this is very brave of you. I know. I actually, as you just commenced podcast voice, I was like, shit, actually, I have no idea what the kind of the remit of this conversation is. But it's, I guess, in the title. Yeah. Meet Cute is basically about getting together, breaking up, everything that comes in between. I wanted to start the podcast after I wrote my own book, when I suddenly realized I would love to read other people's books about their dating histories. Mm. And I was like, well, I can't force anybody to write them, but I can force them to come on my podcast and talk about them. Absolutely. Absolutely true. So that was essentially like an excuse to be nosy. So give me a top line idea of what kind of relationship person you are. Are you a serial monogamist? Like, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Are you a casual dater? Like, what has your relationship history looked like? You see, my relationship history has been, it's so boring because it's been monopolized by this one person. Your your husband. um, For, yeah, (laughs) for nearly two decades. So like rude of him, frankly, to rob not just my best years, but also my mediocre years, um, just all my years. So we've been married for 11 years and we've been going out for... Uh, like 16 or 17 years. So, like, I missed it all. Like, I missed, like, um, I even missed when Ireland got on board with dating. Like, as in the concept of, like, going out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Asking someone on a date. Yeah, because like, before I've that, it was on... just like, will you, be, will you meet me? Or you'd be like like shifting someone or kissing someone or making out with someone and maybe when you're drunk yeah you'd be hanging out but you wouldn't ever be going let's go on a date like let's go for dinner let's go to the cinema because that was all too much is this so it was too american for us it i think implied some level of optimism that we don't possess as a nation it would be much better like it because it sort of introduced stakes 
and expectations upon an evening. Oh, we're going on a date. Yes. Whereas Irish people, I think we do better, you know, with kind of very little expectations slash move all the way into negative expectations. So, I mean, I have been on dates, but I could literally count how many because of this fact. And then I missed the whole internet uh, dating thing. I missed the apps. I truly am annoyed about this. So, yeah, like, so, I mean, before my husband, so I met my husband when I was 20, met him when I was 20 and we started going out when I was about 21, I think. And before that, I'd had, like, two boyfriends and a handful of one night stands well, a bit more than a handful and then like two dates and were the dates with your two boyfriends or you're talking different dates oh no <laughs> different dates random dates um and one of them like was awful just awful but not I mean not for any kind of like spectacularly bad reason just more that like once I had this person in front of me, I was like, oh, God, what have I done, you know? And it really kind of just boiled down to this very one, like, single fact, which was that he used the phrase, I'm all about. Oh, so, I hate that. I'm all about, uh, I know, I'm all about this, I'm all about that. I was just like, oh, my God, how have I let this happen? How have I let this person into my life? But... Because it was my one of one of two dates ever, it's kind of pretty vivid. I remember like everything. Like I remember we went to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in Screen Cinema, oh. which I feel is a very early two thousands date mm-hmm. movie. Um, and and also, I would say this guy would have self described as being all about. The screen cinema. Quirky, girl, dyed hair, you know. I'd say he would have said, I'm all about indie flicks or indie cinema. And then when you would have probed, actually, his his indie tastes really only ran to very mainstream indie. <laughs> I'm really being quite damning. The thing was, I remember... Uh, I had met him on Middle Abbey Street. What's that club that is where the Academy is now? And I'm so out of out of it. The Academy might be something different again. Oh, I actually have no idea because I grew up in Kildare, so I wasn't Academy adjacent. You weren't strutting around Middle Abbey Street? Not really, no. Maybe it was called Spirit, but then oh, I'm like yeah. so many clubs in Ireland at the time were probably called Spirit. We loved a single name. Spirit or time or Halo in you know, Galway. Halo, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, so I had met him in a like drunken fog and he'd asked me on a date, which I just thought was the fucking weirdest thing I'd ever encountered being asked on a date. So weird that I was like, look, how can I not? <laughs> <laughs> and we met, I think it was the next day and I, we met outside the screen and I remember like bopping along and being like, I have no even idea what this guy looks like. Oh, how am I going we've to? We've all been there. I know. I was like, how am I going to walk up to the, the right person? And and then I did. And he then, um, you know, really um, just leaned heavily into the phrase I'm all about for the next 
many hours. Interesting side tangent to this is after Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, we went to the market bar. That's a bit of a walk. I mean, like it's not a bit of a walk, but I was thinking the screen is a bit shit because there's nothing around there. So you had to have an awkward post-cinema walk to the market bar. Yes. Yeah. No idea what we filled that silence with. Went to the market bar, drank heavily for the next, I would say, four hours. And then I had to get on a bus with my friend because we were going to our other friend's house outside of Dublin. And um, I was extremely drunk. He was extremely sober. It was only like 6 p.m. So it was definitely one of those, you know, when you're drunk and you're kind of out of step with the rest mm-hmm, of society. And mm-hmm. um, so it's one of those scenarios. And the best bit was our friend had a very famous relative, a very prominent Irish politician. I don't know how much I can say here. Former Taoiseach. Okay. A former Taoiseach. Don't start guessing which one. Oh, no, no, no. no. Well, I was guessing in my head, but yes, no. And so not only was I out of step with society at large on the bus, I was then like having an audience with a former Taoiseach and uh, I comported myself very well, I assume. Uh, And that's the story of my... One of two dates ever. So I'm interested in the fact that you went to the cinema during the day and then proceeded to get very drunk with no plans. Like for me, if I was going on a date and I then got very drunk, it would kind of be with the idea that like we're both going to get drunk and go home together. Okay. Yeah. No, that could never, ever have transpired. No. Because you probably would have been all about sex with me. (laughs) I'm all about sex with you. Um, I can't forgive him for this one tiny break. But you know when you're on a date and you do, well, not on a date because I know nothing about that. No, no, no. But no, you, but you meeting someone, yeah, yeah, you fixate on the smallest things. Like not even small, but there are certain things that you just are like, this is indicative of a larger clash of personalities. That means this is it. never going to work out. Or like, it's just, this is indicative of me getting the major ick that I'm never going to be able to get over. like it's just this kind of fundamental incompatibility and it's great because it's kind of almost this like physiological response that's going to then save you a lot of time. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I had a friend who went on a date with a guy who ate his sandwich with a knife and fork and like the end, like that was just something none of us could get past, her included, thank God, because if they had embarked on some kind of relationship, I don't think I could have stood for it I can't even and it wasn't I do feel I have to clarify it wasn't an open sandwich I was just about to say like yeah was it a massive loaded sandwich that he would Mm. have to you know that's really weird I would forgive an open sandwich with the knife and fork because an open sandwich it straddles the sandwich salad Mm -hmm. divide Mm -hmm. but no it was a knife and fork but I've seen all kinds of inappropriate cutlery usage on dates And I presume it's a kind of an affliction of an early date because of, you know, the fact that you're trying to still look hot after eating a meal, which is impossible. I went for chicken wings on my first date with Brandon, so I obviously didn't have that concern at all. I know, famously went for the chicken wings. What's the restaurant again? Tex-Mex? No, Buffalo Wings and Ribs. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm an avid listener to Not Without My Sister, so I know all about the um, <laughs> the whole history. Um, but yeah, funnily enough, I worked as a waiter and you'd always see these couples on dates and trying, attempting to eat chicken wings with a knife and fork. And like, that's not possible. Why bother? It's both not possible and a danger to yourself and others because I saw many a chicken wing fly out from under. I was just going to say that, just like the snail in um, Pretty Woman, but like not as classy. Exactly, exactly. I was going to say, we should caveat this with, I wonder if there are some people out there who have sensory issues that mean that they can't eat a sandwich with their hands. Fair. I'll accept that. I'm sure there are. I'll accept that. Yeah. (laughs) But I also feel like sometimes if you have certain things that you're like, you know, are a bit quirky, maybe it's worth saying, you know, I know it's weird that I'm doing this, but I just hate the feeling of Of bread bread on my fingers. And then you might be like, oh, that person has some interesting quirks. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) rather than why is that weird? Like, I watched a YouTuber, like a fitness YouTuber that I don't follow even, but it popped up on my like, you might like this. Why they thought I might like this, I do not know. The algorithm is truly broken. I'm always so insulted by the things my phone thinks I like. I'm like, what do you, what what do you take me for? I know, and lately. Oh my God. Well, lately my phone has been advertising a lot of bras for small breasts to me. And I'm like, my breasts are not small. They're just very floppy now. Like, (laughs) can my phone see my boobs? Like, it's quite worrying. But anyway, this fitness influencer was doing one of these heinous, like 10,000 calorie a day right which honestly is just like a good day for me what is that like a kind of mukbang kind of it's basically a fitness influencer going like I'm gonna eat 10,000 calories in one day and it's usually somebody very thin very like fit looking very like aesthetically fit who eats very quote-unquote clean and then they'll show you like how disgusting it would be if I ate 10,000 calories and it's really truly an offensive trope because if this fitness influencer was a fat woman going I'm going to show you a 10,000 calorie a day diet. All of the comments would literally be like, you're getting diabetes. You're so unhealthy. It's disgusting. Can't oh, blah, blah, blah. Whereas I when know. it's a thin woman, everyone's like, it's like porn watching you eat loads of food. But anyway, for her breakfast, she had two glazed ring donuts for breakfast with a knife and fork. <laughs> and uh, I was like, if ever there's evidence that you do not eat donuts, this is it. Okay. This is going to be really controversial, but I support that. I have a real issue with stickiness. Also, I think, now this is probably not her thinking, but I think there's, you can lose glaze on your fingers because the heat of your fingers would sometimes dissolve the glaze. I obviously am standing there clutching glaze. Sorry, and then you just lick your fingers. It's not getting absorbed into your skin. No, but it's... you just no, but there's a kind of, there's a process of transubstantiation taking place. And I love the crispness of the glaze, you know? I just want to state for the record, this is not a scientific podcast. <laughs> Do not take anything we're saying as scientific fact. Transubstantiation going on with the donut. Okay, so tell me about, that was one date of your two dates. What was the other date? The other date was ill-advised also. In this instance, because the person was a friend and I wasn't really into them and I shouldn't have gone on the date because I knew in my heart of hearts and it's one thing going on a date with a random that you are not really that into and then need never see again 
but it is it's shitty behavior to go on a date with someone that you know is not really for you and uh yeah and I was also kind of obsessed with um the person who became my husband then during that same time it was a bit of an unfortunate overlap I will say and that was just oh, a well, lunchtime listen, I date. think that's very Oh, another lunchtime date. I think that's very relatable, though. Uh, like when you're obsessed with somebody and you're kind of trying to go, I need to get my mind off this person uh, and somebody else asking a date. And, and you know, they're not like, there's a chapter in my book where I talk about a man that I dated named Frank. Yeah. Right. Who was uh, older than I was and was married. And yeah. we kind of had an, had an illicit relationship for a couple of weeks and I was obsessed with him. Oh, my God. I know. Sorry. This is one of the best chapters in the book because it, you do one of the most relatable things, which is the walk-bys where you like go and like and kind of try and fall into the path of the person you're obsessed with. Oh, out in the city, near where oh, they I live. Everybody, I think. One place that they once casually mentioned one time that they ever went to. You're there. Oh. Um, it's funny because I've read the book, but I think that a lot of the names have been changed since I read the book. So I feel mm-hmm. like I don't because Frank didn't immediately jump out of me. But now I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes, you'll have to read it again. But anyway, while I was kind of like I was seeing him, but I was totally not officially seeing him because it was a secret. Right. Another guy, a guy that I worked with asked me out on a date. And even though I was like in this kind of torrid relationship where I was obsessed with this other person, that wasn't public and I couldn't say anything about that. So I felt like I had no reason not to go out with this other guy. And I felt like maybe it'll make Frank realize that I have options too and blah, blah, blah. And the other guy was such a lovely guy. And like, I follow him on Twitter now. He seems so nice. He then went on to work for, I think, The Guardian or something. So I was so jealous. I was like, what a Damn. catch. I should have stayed with him. Like, he's really going places. <laughs> we went on one date and like, I shouldn't have gone on the date with him. There was no way he could have been the perfect man and I was not in the headspace to realize it or to accept it I wasn't open to him you know what I mean yeah 100% that's it there's a lot of um annoying ones that got away that I often am like should have just kind of gone even though the circumstances weren't great at the time I should have just gone for that because you know now I'm like it's an you know an unscratched itch do you know that kind of way you know I had a few of those in college oh yeah College is a ripe time for that. Mm, so annoying. And I also had a few instances in college where like I liked someone and then but they didn't like me. And then like later, like typically after I'd completely lost interest, they suddenly were interested in that, you know, very typical way. And then like I'm there like I, sh- I should have done it for the sake of like 2006, Sophie. Just, you know, yeah, say if it yeah. was 2007 by then. I was just like. Damn it, I should have done it for the past year. But loads of just like bad timing stuff, you know? Yeah. Like I remember there was a girl kind of near the end of my single life who I really liked and we kind of did get together, but it was really bad timing. And we didn't have a relationship. We just like hooked up and stuff. And like now I'm like, God damn it. Like it doesn't. Like, I, there was basically a bit of overlap between her and someone mm-hmm. else. We all know it. You know, when the relationship, the new relationship hasn't started up in earnest yet. Yeah. And I feel, if I could give one piece of advice, if I could leave this planet with just having imparted one piece of wisdom, it would be that the first six weeks don't count. In fact, <laughs> in fact, better, 
to just <laughs> get it all out of your system in case this relationship that you're about to embark on turns into some kind of monogamous nightmare. That's actually a good and point. And you're never going to get free of it. And you should have just, you know, made a little bit of hay there. Now, I will say that's not fair on the person you're making hay with. Well, it depends. Like, if they are not, you know, they're not looking for anything super serious, then it's fine. Exactly. Right? True, true, true. And I, mm, I think it could have, not to like generalize as well, but I'm like, I don't know, two women just keeping things totally light and breezy and casual. Oh, yeah. A friend of mine used to say that um, whenever she went on a first date, she was like, you know, like, what do straight people bring to a date? Condoms. What do lesbians bring to a date? Suitcases. Yeah, I know. One of my friends is also has a similar outlook. <laughs> and she's never dated men at all. So she's just kind of like, oh, oh my God. My whole dating life has been so overwrought. Obviously, these are total generalizations and not representative. But the first six weeks shouldn't count. That's it. I'm like, of all the breadth of my experience, alcoholism, had bipolar, I've grieved somebody, I've been a mother, and I'm like, you know what I've gleaned from this time and this mortal coil for six weeks shouldn't count. Yeah, I, I really thought the wisdom you were leaving the world was going to be, I don't want to say more because that feels judgmental, but let's say different. Mm. So tell me about where and when did you meet your husband and where and when did you first get together? So we worked in the same restaurant just in the last years of the Celtic Tiger, what a time, what a time. Who was what in the restaurant? Just so we understand the hierarchy. The hierarchy. So I'd worked there longer and I was proficient at being a waiter. He arrived new, I think it was his first job in a restaurant. And um, green, both in lack of experience and being very stoned all the time. And um, that doesn't a good waiter make generally. Uh, so he was kind of... I saw meeting him, I was like, okay, this is one of the hottest guys I've ever seen in real life. But I also was like, beautiful, but dim. You know, that was kind of my take. Well, because he was stoned. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see why you'd think that. And I can also see why you'd fancy him because I feel like in the early aughts, there was not a stoned man around me that I didn't fancy. Totally. And he's very tall and uh, and I'm like, and very hot, continues to be. And thank God for him. I genuinely worry about just things for him. Because if, for example, his hair ever changes uh, dramatically, that will be a real problem for me. Well, you just start saving now for the hair plugs. Because I, I think know. they look good now. I know. Marty's are great. And he's done a lot of work, uh, you know, to dispel the stigma. But yeah, I, I worry about Seb because he's married an incredibly shallow person. So that's hard. That's hard for him. Uh, but he has... At first I thought you said he's married and incredibly shallow. And then I realised, oh no, you're talking about yourself. I said he's married a very shallow person. <laughs> he has an incredible head of hair. It's so incredible. Like, it's so thick that I think no water has ever permeated to the scalp. Like, it's... Wow. I should show you a picture while we're on the call. Let me get up a picture. He's oh yeah, please do. Huge hair when we first met. And I was like, yeah, more of this, please. And also um, red hair with brown eyes. Very nice combo. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, quite exotic. But anyway, so yeah, we met. I thought beautiful but dim. I said, I would have a go off that. But stupidly was going out with 
somebody who now I'm like, what was I thinking? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Like actually, it was quite a horrible relationship especially towards the end, like he genuinely, I think, was a bit ashamed of me. He never wanted me ever to meet his friends. And like when I started going out with Seb later, I could not fathom why he kept inviting me out with his friends. And I was like, and isn't that so sad? So sad. Yeah. That I literally was like, why... Does he want me to like meet these people? And then like it was a really slow dawning of like, oh, he's like, likes me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that previous relationship. So they actually, classic, the real bit of overlap here. Now, not in the riding sense, but I, so I'd met Seb in the restaurant. I had kind of filed him away as extremely hot. um, And then I left. And I was going on Erasmus because I was in the third year of college and I was going to Athens. And like I said, I was still going out with this guy who I think pretty much didn't like me, was definitely kind of ashamed of me. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was in Athens, my boyfriend was supposed to come out and see me kind of around the time of my birthday, I think. And I really vividly remember this. I was on a payphone, and I was like, how is it looking to come over and visit and he was like, you know what, just like having you gone has really <gasps> made me realize how I actually just prefer when you're not around. <gasps> Did he say that? More or less. And I paid for the phone call. So I'd paid for this crushing conversation. But it was the best, obviously the best thing that ever happened to me because genuinely I'm like, what, what? You know, when you're with someone, and this is something I really got out of your book, is like that feeling, especially when you're a young woman, of like actually completely losing sight of who you are in mm-hmm. a, because of a relationship you're in. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so sad. And like when I was, you know, telling you about how much I loved the book and I was like, oh, my God, you know, it's just it's a book for anyone who's ever been like, what was I thinking? You know? And I think it's actually an amazing book for younger women to read as well, because it's so wise. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I had in mind as I was writing it, because I was like, I would love for myself to have read it or to have, you know, had that information or to have kind of thought about things that way. But actually, now that I'm talking to you, I wish I had included more of a, 
you know what, if you fancy someone, shoot your shot. Because there are a lot of people that yeah. in hindsight, I was like, oh, I'm not really sure, you know, I'm not really sure, blah, blah, blah. And then the moment passed and like, I wish I had shot my shot with more people. Yeah. I might have had like overall a lower success rate because I generally waited to be sure that they fancied me too. But like, I could have had more adventure, you know. Totally, shoot your shot. I mean, like I had a lot of adventure. We could have had even more. Shoot your shot. Great advice. So anyway, he'd broken up with me and I was kind of heartbroken in Athens. And I mean, I was there with my best friend, Adam, which was great because, I mean, he definitely wasn't putting up with my bullshit. That was good. And also it was kind of handy to have the heartbreak kind of out of sight, sort of. So when I got back to Dublin, I was absolutely ready, raring to go. And as we recall, I'd filed away the person who I was dying to bone. And I said... I'm going to do exactly what you do in the book. I'm going to fall into this guy's path. And did you? Yeah. Wait, Nave. This is nice because there's like a little bit of fate intervening here. So I don't believe in that. But, you know, <laughs> for the purposes of a cute meat narrative, it's quite good. So I went back to the restaurant where we both worked and was like saying hi to everyone anyway because I was back in Dublin. And it was one of those like restaurant jobs. It's like real kind of like Celtic tigery. I just remember like we had such a laugh, like we had such a good gang of people. I'm still friends with people that I worked with at the time. And um, oh, so I really casually was like, is that guy Seb still working here? And they were like laughing at the memory of him because he had been so inept. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no, no, he's working down in that new Milano's down in the IFSC. I was like, very good. Okay. Okay. Just kind of like, you know, when you're like, okay, I'm metabolizing that information, but trying not to betray my interest. And um, I said to my friend, Jeff, I was like, we're going to go down there to that Milano's and go for like a boozy lunch. We're going to make this happen. You know what? That's so handy. Milano's is such a great place to be like casually walking into. Because if you'd gone and got a job in chapter one, you would have been a bit yeah. like, oh, when am I going to manage to wrangle myself? Like, well, how am I ever going to be in chapter one? Milano's is like, oh, I was passing by. Fancy the pizza. That's great. I know. Exactly. Exactly. Way less suspicious. Perfect. So we never even got to the casual lunch engineered cute meat because a couple of days later, my friend, Jen, was like, oh, do you want to come out to IADT? There's a free gig. Healer are playing a free gig. And I was like, okay, very good. Went out. I always remember it was like absolutely lashing rain and I was wearing a bin liner over my clothes. And who <laughs> did I spy? I know. this. Is, my 20s were such a time. I really gave a shit about absolutely nothing but booze and drugs. So like everything else really fell by the wayside. Proud, uh, sober alcoholic now, I should mention. Well done. Um, well done. And um, I saw him in the crowd and I was like, no way, amazing. And I remember grabbing Jess and being like, we have to go for the boozy lunch, guys over there, amazing. So I went over and started chatting to him. And like we had always had a little bit of a, I don't think I realized it as much until like later my friend Danny, who was around at that time, worked with us in the restaurant. And like Danny was like, yeah, you and Seb always, like that was always going to happen. And I don't think I had that really I wasn't aware of that so mm -hmm. anyway we chatted and he was like oh I'm going to the redneck manifesto in Radio City oh, after this oh I know it's bringing me right back I know what a time capsule of a sentence 
<laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm going to the radio, uh, Redneck Manifesto, Radio City. And I was like, oh, so am I, Light. And I said, maybe I'll see you there. And then I was like, I'll give you my number anyway. So I gave him my number, went off, found Jen and was like, we're going to Redneck Manifesto in Radio City. And she was like, no, no, we're going to a house party at Greg's. And she basically was also trying to like vag stalk this guy. And I felt like, oh, damn, like I kind of have to do her thing because she has recruited me on this night out. And Mm -hmm. also I'd given Seb the number. So I was like, oh, grand, look, I'll accept this. So then we proceeded to go to the worst house party of all time. We were sitting in the kitchen at the kitchen table, like talking amongst ourselves. It was a terrible party. And this guy walked in and he was like, oh, does anyone want these tickets to Redneck Manifesto in Radio City? (laughs) And I was like, yes. Jumped up, grabbed the tickets, was like, come on, let's do this to Jen. And she was like, oh, right. And then it turned out her guy was going anyway. So that was ideal. And then we got the bus into town, got to the door of Radio City, uh, realized I'd lost my ticket. Uh, The bouncer on the door, Jen handed her, I know, I roll. Jen handed her ticket in and got like the stamp on her hand. And then when I realized I didn't have my ticket, she Did just she smudged it full, on your hand. Yeah. In full view of the bouncer, just licked her hand and smudged it onto mine. And the bouncer was like, yeah, go on. What do I care? And so we went in, found Seb. I was like, oh, great. You know, proceeded to dance and do all the things. And then we like, I, I did my patented move and um, and again, like I'll maybe like leave the world with this wisdom as well. If you ever want someone to kiss you, kiss them on the cheek first. Playfully, with a hint of mischief in your eyes. And then the door is kind of opened. And it's not too bad if they don't proceed and score you back. But if they do, it's great. And he did. And that was great. And I remember we had one of those like really fun Dublin nights that's like kind of a bit of an odyssey. Definitely at one point we were in Iskander's on Dame Street, RIP. Sorry, this has already been an odyssey. You've been from town <laughs> to Keela in IADT to a house party, back to Redneck Manifesto in Radio City. Now you're on an odyssey. I'm exhausted. No. And so we left it that night, like just kissing and... I was like so, oh my God, I was on such a height. And I remember I'd come back from Athens, so I was living with my parents for a bit and I got up the next day and my mum always had this phrase that like she'd gotten from her mum that was like, did you meet anyone you liked more than yourself? Was like her little way. And she came down into the kitchen and was like, how was last night? And I was like, great. I literally like had hearty smiley face. I was so excited and she was like, did you meet anyone you liked better than yourself? And I was like, yeah, maybe. So then I waited for the text slash call on the phone number I'd given him and nothing came. <gasps> and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, did I like, you know, have a psychotic break and imagine what a perfect night that was, how brilliant it was and um, nothing, nothing, nothing. And like the next week was kind of passing and I asked everyone I knew, did they think I should text him or call him? And everyone was like, don't. And this is a lesson. Disregard all advice because I did text him. I kind of caved on on about the Thursday and, and he replied within seconds and was like, 
you gave me the wrong number. I've been texting a random person for the last five days. And I thought really and truly, like, I was so committed to finding and getting with that guy and yet still really fumbled the number. Couldn't write your number down right. Yeah, gotten my own number wrong. I would just like to say, though, that's the exception that proves the rule. You know, like when somebody's not texting you and you're like, God, did I write my number down wrong? The answer is no, you didn't, except for that one time that Sophie did. But like, usually it's just that he's not that into you. I've read that book. I've seen that movie several times. That's the truth. I have a weird love of that movie. Oh my God, I I love that movie and I don't know why. I know you do because I heard you talking about it on the pod. How much do you have this irrational love of it? And I was like, so do I, Rosemary. Why? It's so objectively terrible. I don't know. Like, I love it and I hate myself while I'm watching it. Completely fully that. Yeah, it's mad. Here is a visual on Seb and the hair. Oh my God, that is amazing hair. It's huge, isn't it? Enormous. Oh, yeah. And he is very exotic looking for a redhead. Isn't he gorgeous? Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, whatever. After this was like a few years ago, there was like a 2009 versus 2019 hashtag trend. So I I put up there's him more recently. As you can see. Still a fox. Still a fox. I know the hair Mm -hmm. sadly has been tamed somewhat by the corporate life. But yeah. Yeah, but you can see the potential is still there. Oh, completely. And you can see how I would be crestfallen should anything happen to it. <laughs> crestfallen. Well, as somebody whose husband is balding, let me tell you, it's a, it's a tough road. <laughs> it's, it's a tough road to go down and I can see the bare horizon <laughs> coming up quickly. <laughs> oh. Okay, so he got your number, you texted, like, was that it? Were you just together from then on? Yeah, yeah. I do remember being like initially quite put out after the like, you know, first flush of like amazing. I'm scoring this guy and he's really hot and uh, getting what I wanted, which is great. Uh I then had like a little period of irritation because I'd actually wanted to be single for longer. And it like it didn't suit me now that actually I was like, oh, shit, he's actually perfect in every way. Oh, he's not dim. Oh, This is ridiculous because you literally came back from your Erasmus. You sought out this man and then you're like, oh, I really wanted to be single for a while. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) But again, now I'm like, come on. If I'd known now, I'd be spending the next 17 years with this person like a couple of months like I could have put it off for a few months yeah but you never know a couple of months and like in you know the sliding doors version he could have been hit by a bus because he wasn't with you in the cinema you know what I mean on on a given day you may not have ended up together at all yeah totally and then I would have kept vigil at his coma and ended up weirdly falling for his brother instead oh my god the dream his much funnier and more attractive brother. But I will say, I could never have done that because I had this complete instant obsession with him to the point that Jen had to tell me to stop talking about him. She was like, you just have to stop. Oh, I've <laughs> had that before. And did I stop? No. No. I never stopped. You can't stop love. No. Do you think now, I was just thinking about this, I wonder if it would be a good thing for us to introduce for the whole world and all of society, or at least all of us who are in any way monogamous. If you meet your partner, say, before the age of 25, right? Perhaps there should be like a rumspringa from the relationship. Like, 
two years before you get married or like right after you get engaged. Maybe maybe you get engaged. You're like, oh, my God, I love you so much. We're going to get married. Really exciting. Now I'm taking a year off. I mean, I would say a year off because I do like the guy. I would say I was only just saying this to my friend. It's this like, I think, grave injustice that bisexuals don't get a card because, you know, there's this certain like sad kind of, you know, you're kind of shutting down a whole sort of flavor, you know, of person. I do know what you mean, but like that also assumes that a man and a woman are totally different flavors when actually we're not that different, really. You know what I mean? They're Although quite, I, I think they're quite different flavors. And also I think that this is like, it's practically medicinal what I'm describing here, you know? <laughs> well, I just do often think like, so I know you really like Seb, right? And that's nice. But do you ever mm. just think to yourself, why, like, I, I feel like if I was bisexual, I would just no. never be with another man again. <laughs> they're so, like, they drive me mad. Every single one of them. I know. I do often think about how this is definitely the last relationship I'll have with a man. Definitely. Whether through death or, or otherwise, you know. Yeah. Like, if I have a kind of a, a third actor whenever Seb's kind of, Seb's gone uh, quite, quite thin on top or he's died, <laughs> whichever. I do think I probably won't bother with men again. Which one do you think you would be sadder about, the balding or the death? <laughs> Well, it, it would be harder to navigate the balding because I'd be That's the bad true. person who ended a marriage because of I some know. aesthetic reasons. Um, and everyone would feel sorry for me if um, you died. So there's that. Mm. And there's also like a clear roadmap of what to do when someone dies, right? Whereas um. what to do when your husband is bald and you no longer fancy him is like a, a more difficult prospect. It truly is. It truly is. I mean... I suppose I could start balding as well. I do have alopecia. So, I mean, actually, weirdly, I'm the Sorry. more likely. I was just about to say, I could start balding. I do have alopecia. That feels like probably stronger than could. <laughs> sure. I have the type that is um, alopecia areata, where like you get patches that like migrate around your head. And sometimes they like I've got one growing out here at the moment. Sometimes they can be very unfortunately placed. This one isn't too bad. As you can see, it was quite a large one, though. And is it stress related? Yeah, I think it is. Well, then, listen, you're better off not dating. Dating is very stressful. Very stressful. If you'd spent more years dating, you could be entirely bald by now. I really feel sad about missing the apps. Did you have the apps? I had the, well, I had the apps. So I am trying to think. I was like online dating on plenty of fish so on like the more traditional websites right yeah. so I did that for a little bit then uh, I met my ex in the book his name is Scott who we dated for five years but I met him in a bar which even at the time I was like this is weird people don't meet in bars anymore and then I think when I first met him I was already on was I on Tinder was Tinder around then because I had I when we first met there was a slight overlap I'd gone on a couple of dates with this other guy and I had to say to him look I've met somebody now and I think you know it's kind of serious so I'm, so I'm not going to see you better again. than you which in hindsight maybe he wasn't but the other guy there was something about we we had gone on two dates and we had he'd walked me home and he had basically lobbed the gob in the most unexpected fashion at the side of the road like did not see it coming and while we were kissing he had his hands on kind of my hips and he had his thumbs on my hip bones and he was just rubbing these like 
it was really weird as we were kissing he was like rubbing my hip bones and there was something about it that was just that was my version of like I'm all about that was giving me the ick oh yeah god but yeah. I think if it wasn't for that it would have been more of a toss-up between them but so I did that guy <laughs> for five years and then when we broke up I was on the apps for about a year probably so I met Brandon my husband on tinder and I met another guy before him right after my five-year relationship ended I got together with a guy who there was a calamitous relationship you can read all about in the book. Oh, and then yeah. I did a few. God, yeah. That one's spectacular. Yeah. Really bad. Then I had a couple of months of like hookups where I was like, I'm not getting in a relationship at all. Yeah. So I just would like invite guys over from Tinder or from Bumble, which also potentially ill-advised from a safety point of view, but mostly turned out to be incredibly vanilla and boring in several ways. One guy turned up on a motorbike, Sophie, and he was still incredibly boring. Oh, God, damn. I've always found like kind of just for sex encounters I could count the number of ones that were actually really any good because I kind of I mean I don't know if this is universal but like I feel that I need to train them somewhat. I think for women having sex with men that is universal yes. Yeah like I think you do need a little bit of kind of onboarding for them Mm -hmm. shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. You might need to circle back to a few things. I don't know why I've gone into corporate. You know what? It's like a car. You get a new car and you're like, oh, this brake needs slightly less pressure than the last one. Oh, yes. This accelerator is more enthusiastic. Oh, this one jumps between the gears. You have to figure it out. Do you know what I mean? You have to go on a couple of drives. Like Definitely. Exactly. So like anyone I think that I've ever just like been with for one time, I just have been like, this is fine. But like, mm, mm. Yeah. And I mean, I think as well, any kind of casual sex that I've had, it just, it hasn't satisfied me because either it's been crap and that's non honestly like 95% has been like quite crap or it's been good. And then I want it to happen again, but I've kind of set out my stall as in, this is just going to be a casual thing. And then I have to go back to the other 95%. Do you know what I mean? Uh, After having the good experience, then you're like, oh, I'm back to the crap now. That's a calm down. Yeah. So before we wrap up, do you think you have a type and if so, what is your type aside from like her suit? I don't know if I do have a type. And when I think back on them all, if they were all in a room together, you'd be like mixed bag. That's a real mm. broad spectrum of people. I do like, I suppose, particularly with men, for them to be tall. That's a big one. Oh, I feel sorry for the short kings. I know. I know it's unfair. I feel almost like it's kind of xenophobic or something. Well, well, I think it is. But I was going to say, maybe this is to do with your <laughs> obsession with hair because Brandon's six foot six. And though he is bald and mm-hmm. Sophie, nobody knows until he sits down. Oh, yeah. 100%. So there is a great advantage to it. And like six foot six would cancel out balding, I think. Not in the case of Seb, because I've had a taste of the good time <laughs> with his hair. But, you know, with another, but starting fresh. I think it's because I'm like a kind of tall woman and I think it's an attraction thing. Do you not think though you'd be attracted to Kieran Culkin? No. I am not. Let me think any other type element. I think like humour and I was just going to say I would imagine they have to be funny. That kind of stuff is very important to me and I really like people who are just up for stuff. I think that was just the biggest thing for me when like after all of the shallow things it said was that like he just was like willing to do stuff and like some of it stupid stupid stuff like dangerous stuff but I just hate people who are kind of 
slightly naysayers. I love camping. I love outdoorsy things. I love cycling. I like, we lived in a van for a while together. Like notions and whims. Oh my God, you were the original van fluencer without the actual fluencing. I know, without the hashtag van life. Devastating. I know, I'm a zeitgeist surfer. But yeah, I just hate people who aren't willing to do my things, do what I want to try out. And I hate people who are like, I just hate people who are like, do my thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like people who aren't up for a bit of like randomness. Do you know that kind of way? Like I'm not a cozy, really, like I'll obviously sit at home and do that. Especially now at the age of 38, I'm a bit more of a house cat. But like at the same time, I want people to be up for things. I don't like when people are like, Oh, like, for example, like, I don't know, I have to work until midnight. There's a party in Waterford. I'll go after my shift ends. And I don't like people who wouldn't understand that. Like, I want someone who is willing to drive two and a half hours in the middle of the night to really only grab the dregs of a party and then potentially end up sleeping in your car. My literal nightmare. I was about to say, I don't think that our relationship would be very successful as much as I love you. No, I was just thinking like I have a lot of hair and it's very curly, right? So tick, 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 tick. However, I don't fancy women. So that would be a big barrier. But also I'm not very spontaneous. Yeah. I think they'd both be equally large and insurmountable barriers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the spontaneity more so. I'm sure I'd wear you down eventually. <laughs> on the other side, on the physical side. But um, yeah, I think mainly that's my type is people being kind of up for things and not being too cozy. So I always really liked the fact that if I suggested something totally stupid, Seb would largely go along with it. Wouldn't you know our audio cut out at the very last few minutes of the podcast. But thank you so much to Sophie for taking the time and bearing her soul to me. You can follow Sophie on Instagram at Whoop and look through her bibliography on her website, sophiewhite.info. She also co-presents two podcasts, The Creep Dive and Mother of Pod, and she writes a regular column for the Sunday Independent. Links to all of the above will be below. Thank you all so much for listening to Meet Cute. Find me on Instagram for updates about the podcast, my writing and upcoming releases, and you can buy my book, This Is Not About You, wherever books are sold. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.